Hello, my name is Tanai and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy, and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, before we continue on with my guests, I wanted to invite you guys to an amazing opportunity that I have coming up this summer. It's a three-month program for women called Unapologetic for women who want to feel more free and confident in how they express themselves out in the world and in their relationships. I know at least for me, what got in the way of expressing my truth was the need to people please, a lot of shame for my truth and guilt every time I expressed it. So this program is really to empower you and have you feel free in expressing your feelings and your desires and your boundaries while feeling really comfortable and open and loving all at once. So being able to have those hard conversations where maybe you tend to defend or attack and be able to really express what's there and express your needs and express your desires while also putting yourself out there in ways that maybe feel too scary because you don't want to be too much or you don't want to be rejected. So if you're curious about it and you'd love to grow amongst a group of 14 other women, reach out to me on Instagram through my direct messages, or you can find out more info about it on www.tanaimilgram.com. There's a tab that says unapologetic and you can learn all that we're going to cover over these three months. So if you want a radical transformation in how you express yourself and not feel like you need to hold back anymore, this is the program for you. There's five spots left and it starts June 15th and goes all the way through August 15th. Hope to see you there. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I have the pleasure of having Araminta Barber on the show. She was the lead facilitator of a training that I've spoken about here called ISTA, which is the International School of Temple Arts. Man, what a, what a journey that was. It was this week-long training, and yeah, I've spoken about it on the last podcast episodes, but it was a very deep experience for me to transform my relationship with high sensations, high emotions, deepen my connection with myself and my sexuality, and just feel like I can take up more space in the world in my, in my self-expression. And Araminta was just such an expander in, in how she led this training, just allowing me and everybody else to go to really dark places and really new places while making us feel so, so safe. That's truly what I find one of her gifts, just her ability to guide you through that dark tunnel and make you feel completely safe in doing so. So it's really such an honor to have her here. She's an international speaker, transformational facilitator, and her specialties in relationship and sexuality and environment, everything that has to do with the International School of Temple Arts, which is kind of this the esoteric mystery and um, yeah, the esoteric mystery of life. She's also 
the founder of the sanctuary Guatemala, which I can't wait to hear a little more about. And yeah, let's let's dive right in. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tanai. It's a real joy to see you again and to be on your podcast. So let's yeah, let's dive right in. What why don't you start telling us what exactly it is that that you do at ISTA, just in your own words, since you're, you're gonna do a better job at that, and how you found yourself to be leading such a such a special experience. Ooh, you know, even though I've been with ISTA for 10 years, I still struggle to find the words to describe what it is that we do. Um, it, it's often called spiritual, sexual shamanism, which for me is a pretty accurate attempt at describing what it is to be human. We, we are in this body of teachings. We have a divine connection. We are more than this body. We have a spiritual aspect that most of us have not had much teachings about in school, let's say. And then we are sexual, that, that our sexual life force, um, apart from being an aspect of, of pleasure and celebration and connection, goes much deeper than that. It's like we would not be on this planet if it were not for the sexual life force. And that actually sexuality is inherent in our ability to be creative and to create a life of meaning and of power. So to really explore this aspect of ourselves and to heal around that, because for most of us and for our cultures around the world, we're deeply wounded around our sexuality. And we have a lot of fear and a lot of shame and a lot of guilt that we, it just serves us to clear it. Because when we come into alignment with that life force energy, we are much more powerful as creators. Um, and the shamanic aspect is that we are part of a life web um, and that vibrationally we are connected to everything on this planet. And there's huge um, resources of information that we can get when we learn to work vibrationally and to attune both to, let's say, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, our ancestors. And so how do we work with this, um, another whole level of our, this is what I call human aspects. Ultimately, we're hopefully attuning to the totality of what it is to be human and to support each of us to become more conscious and more empowered in, in really accessing all the amazingness that, that it is to be human. So that's one way of looking at it. Um, yeah, I could say more, but- That was really beautifully said. That's a little taster. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's just been going, it's just been going for, you know, could say around 20 years. We're in, I think, changes all the time. We're in about, 40 countries a year uh, we have an international group of facilitators and we come together you know across the planet to in triads to create um, intense transformational week-long residential experiences to support people to to really their clearing work and their healing work and to step into their their fullness it's a real honor to be part of it and it's a it's an amazing experience to get to to watch people blossom I love that. Yeah. Since you mentioned that, what is your favorite part about seeing people blossom? Like what, what do you love seeing in people's blossoming? I mean, one thing is that within six months of doing the level one, most people have stepped into a new level of self-love and mastery and expansion that they've made significant courageous steps to live a life that's more aligned with their dreams and their truth. 
So it's amazing to watch what happens in six months after and just where people are. So I think just the sort of the tangible real life impacts um, from trusting themselves more, from trusting their inner knowing, from being able to, to be grounded in their bodies and to get all the wisdom that's coming through their bodies. There's a wildness that reemerges, right? Because people are more self-loving. And so there's just more, I don't know, more authenticity. Um, yeah, I would say people being willing to be real, to share what's actually going on with them. It's just the most beautiful experience. I think we're also starved of realness, especially now with social media. There's so much fakeness. <laughs> we're all trying to be perfect. But actually when we when we're real I don't know it relaxes the being and, and brings out a greater presence so I just feel like it's just a joy to watch people relax into who they are like hearing you say that it you know it makes sense because a part of the training is so much breaking down the conditioning right and breaking down like all these ways that we have to be in relationship or just in expression of who we are so naturally if if you break through that, if you, if you question that, then you, then what, what is going to come out is more authenticity and more of that realness and wildness. For sure. I mean, I feel like we've been taught that to be an adult is to have our shit together and kind of present um, a controlled, very fabricated face to the world and this mask. And we've all spent so long now crafting our masks um, and we're exhausted. <laughs> we're just also exhausted of the pretense so as people learn that when they let that mask go that it's actually safe that they're not going to die that they're not going to be rejected and, and we do these amazing groups and and you see you know you get inspired by everyone else in your group as you step forward and let the mask go and so as we practice giving ourselves permission to go back to being fully let's say emotions emotionally expressed that it's okay to really feel and that if you give yourself that chance to really feel what you're feeling fully, it's like you get the wisdom from the emotions and you get the freedom on the other side. So I don't know about you, but mostly I was, you know, avoiding feeling these so-called negative emotions, like the challenging ones, the ones that are uncomfortable to feel. So we do everything we can to, to not experience them, to not have them in the body, which means we're constantly running away from a part of ourselves and not wanting to listen to the wisdom that's behind those emotions so yeah this great freedom comes this great relaxation in the body there's usually just a lot more energy through the body but deeper than that there's um there's a reconnection to like an, an inner compass and inner guidance that is giving us really beautiful important feedback on the decisions we're making in our life and what our truth is and and, and what direction we may want to go in from here so the emotions are definitely one um, major powerhouse energetically of information that if we don't know how to work with, we're often stuck in a pretty big way in our life. And that often brings up a lot of self-hatred. Yeah. Or in my case, symptoms in the body, you know, I, I was recently, I was just telling you about these recurring UTIs that I have, that there's no explanation. And I've been working with someone who's actually it's called bioneuromotion and it's working through the emotions that are stuck in my body and going, going to the past and seeing like in childhood, in childhood, where didn't I express my anger? And then taking that opportunity in session to express the anger that's being, you know, stored in my gut or in, 
yeah, in the reproductive area. So powerful. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, my experience in the past with UTIs was being pissed off. There's a heat there, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like someone described (laughs) it to me as like, you know, when you're passing through, like there's irritation. So it's kind of the same thing as emotions, right? Like, like not feeling tolerant of your own emotions, being irritated by your own emotions, which I definitely grew up feeling that way, (laughs) being irritated by my own anger. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that part that's like, I mean, I, I love to sort of see a multiverse inside of ourselves, you know, like there's so many different voices or different characters in a way. Yeah. Most of the inner family could, you know, could be kind of part of the, you know, cultural belief, you know, who, who wants to be the angry person? You know, it's been, it's been laden with judgment. It's mostly people are terrified of that vibration, anger and rage in particular. We may have witnessed our parents or other people as children become violent and hurt themselves or hurt somebody else or break something. So we often haven't seen adults know how to be present in their bodies when big intense waves of anger move through them. So most of us either suppress it. So we, you know, turn on the television or Facebook or eat it down or drink it down or in some way suppress it, which then pushes it to the, into the body to hold, or we kind of vomit it out. Um, and we can do this with any emotion. So what I mean by vomiting out is if I'm, let's say I've got a lot of fear moving through me, let's say I'm really anxious and I'm worried about the economy, not to use a topic that's relevant right now, you know, I might not be able to stay with the amount of anxiety I feel what may help me feel better is to get you tonight to feel equally stressed about the economy as me. So we could sit here and I could tell you all the things like, did you know about, you know, the impact of the rising gas prices? And I could tell you all these things in an, uh, an, a subconscious effort to get you to vibrate in the exact same way that I'm vibrating. And in that way, I won't have to carry this by myself. It's like we would be sharing that vibration. And that means I've got less to carry and I'll, I'll feel better. I'll feel relieved. <laughs> so sometimes we kind of, yeah, we, we spread a vibration rather than knowing how to sit with it and transmute it and, and work with it just within ourselves. Mm, yeah. Hearing you say that, I'm curious if that translates also in relationship when there's someone that's more, that has more of like an anxious attachment, what does that look like? Oh, totally. Totally. Because um, if we look at all different types of emotional states and mental states, um, the physical states as, as, a, as a vibration, as an energetic, there's obviously a huge range we can vibrate at. We feel connected when there's a similar vibration. So in some ways, there's a, there's a sort of a subtle tug of war going on always between beings, usually because there's some sort of form of codependency going on. And so we'll be trying to pull our partner more towards our vibration and it will you know, in a pessimistic way, they say that the tendency will be to vibrate towards the, like the lesser vibration, but um, you'll, you'll find a sort of a medium. Not, not always true. I don't want to be like, you know, nothing's ever concrete because as we, as we grow in our own maturity, we, we know how to stay centered in our own vibration and we can be present around people that are in a very, very different vibration without needing to rescue them, fix them, judge them or change them. But that's a constant, constant piece of exercise, let's say. It's a really powerful one. I'm happy to speak more into that if you think that would serve. Obviously, having tools, so in ISTA, we work with a variety of, of breath, sound, and movement tools to support all of us to be, to find the ease and the presence um, 
with whatever is going on within or without us. In partnerships, let's say there's a dynamic where your partner is stressing out about something and they're really stressed out and there's a part of you that wants to help them is now starting to get uncomfortable yourself being around their energy of stress. So you're noticing that their stress is stressing you out, right? So you're feeling like the contraction. And now, of course, that could move you in a variety of different ways, right? You could go into rescuer and try to sit and trying to come to them with solutions, or you might get angry at them and try to blame them, you know, and just snap them out of it by telling them they shouldn't be stressed or... Or you could be avoidant and just distance yourself from their, you know, physically leave in order to get, find your center again. A lot of the ability to be present around other people's challenging emotions is like a direct correlation to how able we are to be present to our own difficult emotions in the inner world. So, you know, if, if I've got judgment around, let's say anxiety, let's say my partner's super stressed out and nervous, if I also judge that like nervousness is, I don't know, it's not cool, it's um, babyish, it's not mature. You know, if I've got some story that I don't allow that vibration inside of me, I'm almost definitely not gonna like seeing it in my partner. So sacred mirrors, as I come into more um, curiosity about each of the different flavors of the emotional body and what the message is behind them, I'll be able to be around my partner in a much more neutral. And it's always a reminder to, even when our partners are freaking out, really angry, really sad, whatever it is, instead of kind of going codependent with their reality, so let's say they're freaking out and they think everything's hopeless, how can I hold them in a gaze where I trust and love them and I know that they're going to find their way through this? It's not going to last forever, and I trust. Um, I can, you know, if I want to be loving in that moment, I can not join them in their, let's say, pity party or their negative self-talk about their reality, but hold them in a gaze where I trust that inside of them is, you know, an incredible divine being having a human journey. And I know that it may be tough right now, but they are going to figure it out. So it's like, they don't necessarily need my help to figure it out. They can ask me for my help, but I don't need to rescue them in order for them not to be feeling a difficult way, in order for me to finally feel calm again. So that's like this slight difference of like codependency versus um, moving into the rescuer or in some way separating from them, whether that's physically moving away or, or shaming them, making them wrong um, and kind of continuing that, that judgmental pattern that those emotional vibrations are not acceptable. When the truth is, we're humans, we have the delight and the challenge of being able to experience the full range of human experiences. And they all have, they all have validity in a way. They all have, yeah, they all have validity in the human experience and they all have wisdom to teach us. They all have important growth gateways. Yeah, absolutely. I think for myself, I used to think that I had like a pattern or a type of, a, of going for men that had a repressed anger. I was like, I don't understand. I keep going for men that like seem happy on the outside or actually really angry on the outside, on the inside until I realized that, of course, I, I learned about shadow work and mirror work and the fact that they were just going to keep reflecting back to me my own 
situation, right? And my own approval for anger and my own attempt to um, not show it. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, reframing anger and rage is, is one of the most liberating things I've done and I'm still working on it. I mean, I think uh, one of, one of my mentors said rage particularly is one of the most important emotional vibrations that is so needed right now. And actually if only more humans could get into um, a more loving and, and sort of understanding of the purpose of rage, because if we can move the rage fully through our bodies into our heart, it's gonna give us the rage of the heart or the courage. So anger and rage often comes into our, our beings when there's been some kind of boundary violation. And now often it's against ourselves because we're violating our own truth often. And we're pissed off at ourselves or some part of us is pissed off at ourselves for not keeping our word or, you know, we're doing that same thing again that we know doesn't serve us. <laughs> so it's not always, you know, about something that's happening on the outside, but sometimes it is. And that energy, that vibration of anger is actually exactly the life force that we need to help us to come back into alignment. It's the energy that's going to help us say our truth, speak our truth, hold our boundary, stand up fight back if needed. And we need to feel fucked, fucking rageful sometimes in order to say no, stop. And of course, there's a lot of bullshit on the planet that is happening. And it's very appropriate for humanity as a collective to feel very angry about numerous things that are happening on this planet. And if we tell ourselves that it's not very spiritual or we're not being good girls and good boys when we feel angry and we continue to kind of numb out, distract, um, yeah, that's, that's not helpful. <laughs> Obviously, it's not, it's not very mature. And so collectively, we can all do our part individually by coming into a deeper relationship and curiosity with our, with our anger and what its message, what it's trying to tell us. It's here to, it's here to help us. These are all allies, ultimately. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's such a new perspective, right, for, for our culture. I, I, I've, I've always been a very sensitive person to energy. And so I could feel like subtle aggressions, right? Or like subtle, like, I don't know, just, I could feel the, I could feel very subtle things in people, but then my mind was like, you're making a big deal. You shouldn't feel angry about this. You know, like that person, they're not being manipulative. Like they're just saying this, why are you making such a big deal? <laughs> For me, I, a, a really big thing in the ISA training was recognizing that that I was allowing things to be done to me, even really small ones and not saying no. And so then that that's what would lead to dissociating or to feeling angry. But it was like such a, it, it was such a good framing for me to realize, wow, I'm allowing things. Even, even by receiving energy that doesn't feel good, I get to be so selective with who I interact with if I'm that sensitive and trust trust my compass and trust what I'm feeling in the other person. Yeah, so beautiful, so rich. Well, yeah, hearing is that part of coming back into your inner worlds and prioritizing the messages and the signals and the intuition coming from within you. It's kind of integrating the body with the mind. So it's not just about the judgments and the beliefs that have often been come from the outer culture about what is right and wrong and actually just feeling what is right and wrong for us moment by moment by moment and standing up for that because we, we have, we've often rejected our truth 
a gazillion times. I mean, it starts in childhood and, you know, it's like every time we were told to go kiss uncle so-and-so goodnight because it was a polite thing to do and we didn't want to. And, you know, the parents, the parents are just like, but you need to. So we got taught to override our truth. So yeah, I love, I love this. Um, I love what you're sharing about giving ourselves full permission to honor the truth from within and to practice holding those boundaries and not to judge ourselves as crazy. I mean, I'm from the UK originally. I lost the accent, but um, I feel like we're, we're, we're pretty good as a culture and passive aggressive, um, super little comments and, and cold stares and, you know, aggression, like minor aggression that people feel energetically, but it's hard to kind of point the finger at because it's masked with politeness, you know, it's like how to be incredibly offensive while saying please and thank you. And so, oh, when when did society like get so obsessed with being polite, you know, politeness has become such a, yeah, like such a respected thing. Um, Rather than truthfulness. Exactly. Something that I haven't really spoken of on the podcast that I'd love to talk to you about is what it actually means to listen to your body and not your head. And like, what role does the head have? Right. Cause it's not just like, okay, the head is like, let's throw away the mind. It doesn't, doesn't serve. So love to hear from your perspective. What, what role each one plays? Yeah. I love this question. Um, and again, there's, there's numerous ways of, of perceiving it. I think when we talk about the body, if you want to do it meta level, you could say that the body is more the feminine aspect and the mind is more the masculine. It's a little bit of an oversimplification, but I think it'll work for our purposes. So in Tantra, there's this idea of at the inner marriage, we're trying to become whole and integrate all parts of us. And our society for a good few thousand years has really prioritized the development of our of our mental functioning. And our brain has two halves. Our brain is very binary. It's very much um, yes, no, ones and zeros. Amazing, amazing tool, but it's only just one part of our human technology. So the masculine can bring its attention to numerous, to anything. Again, our culture is very much focused on bringing our, our presence to the outer world as opposed to diving more into the inner worlds. So let's say other spiritual traditions and, and again, massive generalizations, but the Eastern traditions have, have continued to kind of put a bit more of a focus on meditation, bringing the attention inwards. So I would say the body is a, you know, is a multiverse of its own with huge amounts of signals. Um, obviously the physical body, its levels of comfort, its need for the right food and, and fresh air and, and all of the movement you know again it's like it's almost like we've been taught okay I have a body and I need to keep it healthy so I'm gonna take it for a run as if like our body is like a a pet that we keep right so a lot of us are going to the gym and we're doing the good things um I did good in quotations there um but we're not really asking the body itself what it really wants to do and 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 kind of feeling feeling what the body wants the body knows the body wants to feel pleasure the body wants to feel good and so the body usually wants a lot more nature time a lot less time on these gadgets um and a lot more spontaneity and kind of wild movement and is very bored with all this kind of civilization and standing up right you know staying still being indoors i mean i'm generalizing but for most of us that's that kind of need to kind of go back into more of that wild animal expression 
but we're so much more than just the physical body. When we talk about the body, we're also talking about all of the emotional body, um, which you know we spent some time on this podcast already addressing. But this is a huge amount of energy that is moving through us that is filled with wisdom. Um, and then another whole area of life force is that's the erotic life force. You know, most of us are aware that we have sexual desire that comes through our bodies sometimes. For most of us, again, our sexual education has been so limited. So for most of us, you know, we got a tiny bit in school, we got a lot from our friends, we got some from porn and magazines, but, you know, at least for me, I never encountered the kinds of education that I feel ISTA and other schools are now giving. What's the purpose of sexual life force energy? Yes, on some level, we know it's, it's to recreate, procreate, to continue the human race. And that's, if you really meditate on that, that's really trippy, <laughs> pretty shamanic. It's very intense. It's very powerful. This is incredibly powerful. Um, I think in Western cultures, you know, we've cleared enough shame that the, the pleasure factor is celebrated a bit more now. But in, in sort of the tantric traditions, it's yes, pleasure. Pleasure is, is also the most healing energy we have. So the sexual energy can be, it's almost like we have a responsibility to have a deep relationship with this energy because it's, it's the most, it will keep us vibrant. You know, it is our life force. So we need to have a strong relationship with it. Whether you're in a partnership or not, this is you with your life force, you with your erotic energy. And then in the more kind of sort of profound esoteric and spiritual lineages, the sexual life force energy is a spiritual transformational catalyst. And what I mean by that is um, it has the potential to shift your whole definition of who you are. So we talk a lot about kind of getting beyond ego self-identity into greater and greater states that they connection to the oneness, feeling more connected to ultimately everything. What I love to talk about when it comes to Eros is that what's the, you know, as far as like, if you're, you're human being as this incredible vehicle, this divine musical instrument that you got gifted, and it's constantly giving you data on like your dashboard. Eros is one of those really important dials. And it's there to get your attention and it's pretty good at getting your attention. You know, like when it starts flashing, we notice, unfortunately, our mind has been told that, oh, when I feel this energy in my body, it means that I'm attracted to this person that we should either be maybe lovers or romantic partners, or maybe, you know, depending on where you grew up, maybe this is the one, maybe we're supposed to spend the rest of our lives together. So we immediately box what's happening in a kind of a, a context, what if it's not anything to do with that? What if it's just the universe or divine, great spirit, whatever you want to call it, getting your attention to move towards this direction? And the why is in the mystery. Because often we have all kinds of beliefs about, you know, I can only be attracted to this type of person, this age group, this race, this whatever, they need to look like a certain way. I could only do partnership with someone who fits my criteria. And so if I'm having the erotic energy move through my body outside of those contexts, it's going to trigger all of my shame programs. <laughs> I'm going to ignore it and shut it down and feel upset and confused. But what if the erotic energy is just to get your attention to, to move towards, and it might not even be a person. The eros is not, it's like, it's an, it's an erotic aliveness that can move through you. You can feel it looking at a beautiful sunset. So what if it's just 
great spirit getting your attention to go, let's say it is towards a person, go towards that person, not with the goal of becoming sexual partners or romantic partners, but just because you trust the mystery. Maybe you're gonna have a, a really important conversation and they're gonna recommend, you know, I have to tell you, they're gonna recommend a book for you to read that's gonna change your life. Or you're gonna have a conversation and it just so happens that their cousin is doing the exact same business that you're doing and you have to meet. So again, it's like we need to widen the great mystery that sexuality is, is part of really a, a much larger spiritual journey of guiding us back into our wholeness ultimately, the great union. And um, it's part of the wonderful adventure. Wow, you know, it, it makes me think of how, I guess now we're, we're getting more and more used to listening to our gut. You know, it's like, we're going back to that. Like, listen to your gut, listen to your intuition. And this is almost like, it seems like a different way that your body's speaking to you just as the gut does. And the gut's super important as well because the gut wants to feel safe and, and can give us those great kind of uneasiness vibes about something's off here. I'm not feeling safe, right? And we want to listen to that. I think the challenge that I've had, and I feel like many, many of us have, let's say particularly when it comes to relating, it's like, hmm, you know, if I want to call in an incredibly aligned partnership and then I'm starting to see someone and I'm getting that gut twinge or that gut like fears coming up and then it's like, wow, is this fear based on now? You know, we start to question ourselves. The mind's like, hmm. I think that's just past trauma coming up and I'm just projecting the lens onto this person. I should ignore that. How do we know? How do we know what's happening now and, and what to listen to and what's relevant? The way I work is I assume that if it's happening now, it's important now. That doesn't mean that just because I'm feeling some anxiety, I should you know, end the relationship, but I should sit with myself and do some inquiry. So I know before I met my current partner, I was, I was actually very slowly admitting to myself that I really, really wanted partnership because um, I had not been a full yes to that for many, many years. Um, I'd also been exploring open relating. And so my self-identity was actually not really set up for a monogamous container. And it took me a while to really get all the different parts of me to be a full yes to a deep, deep monogamous partnership. But it was very clear that some parts of me really wanted that. And I finally started listening. But then I had some fears come up. And, and one of them was when I listened, it was like, no, 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 no. If I have, if we go into a partnership, like, you know, living together, like the full thing, we're never going to have enough solo time. And that's going to mean, you know, this problem and this problem, and this problem. And it was really upsetting to this part. Like there was one part of my gut that was really this was a big stumbling block. It could not get on board with this desire because this fear of losing my solo time and kind of the independence that came with it and, and what that gave me whew, was so strong. So, you know, the fear that came up, if I just ignored it or just said, okay, well, or let it run the whole show and said, fine, forget this whole thing. We're not going to do partnership. But what I did is I listened to the fear and underneath the fear is the desire, right? So, okay, so I do want a partnership but I want a partnership where it's easeful for us to both have a lot of our own independent solo time and that it's not in conflict. So it, like, it refined my desire. By listening to that fear come up, it really defined what I was wanting to 
manifest ultimately. And so again, it's like trust that every nuance and challenging emotion has another little piece of the puzzle for you that you want to consider. And I feel like the mind can eventually listen to all these, these pieces and then really get very focused and laser-like clear by listening to all the wisdom of the body and then hold that clarity. So that's how I work with it. Wow. And then I'm sure like the next step is working with your partner, right? And, and communicating that and seeing, does that work for you? Like, does it work for you to be in this partnership where we have some space for each other? My experience is that when I've, when I've identified a truth and I've done the difficult thing of feeling the feelings and then asking some of the deeper questions about what is this information that's, what's the need and what's the desire. If I come to peace with it, I'm able to speak about it and request the conversation from an energetic place that's pretty calm, as opposed to like when I'm freaking out and it's like, this is going to mean that I'm never going to have any space. And then, you know, I could, I could make me wrong, I could make myself wrong. So I come in, in a vibration of like, you know, wimpy kind of powerless to speak to my partner or the opposite. I come like, you're going to fuck up my life. <laughs> you know, it's not your fault. Like I never get enough space. You're always in my space. I need you to go away. You know, I could be vibrating in this kind of hysterical, angry way. But as I come to the realization, I often feel real calm because I'm like, ah, that's what I need. Okay. And so because I'm a yes to me, I find I'm not judging that need in me. Um, I find it easier to, to communicate about it. And of course, if I'm vibrating in a, in a calmer place, the chances are that whole conversation, I'm going to be able to be heard because my partner is not going to be busy defending himself from all of my emotional energy um, and the request. And then again, it's like the curiosity to really listen to what their truth is. So we're on a journey together. I just, you know, I just went through some whole little self-inquiry journey and emotional piece. This is what I've realized. And now can I be curious and hold space for what that piece of information brings up for you and, and be curious so that we're, we're interested in the wild step-by-step relationship and that's the whole point of being in a relationship is to be interested in doing a journey with someone else oh that's so good the more i'm like diving into these worlds and tantra and just learning about the different way that people relate i realize that everyone comes up with their own reason of the journey they're having with someone you know Mm -hmm. yeah which is why i wanted to ask you about why do we fall in love and what is this perspective of that I just have a I just I don't know if I've heard you talk about this or I just have a feeling that you have some real interesting things to say well there's a historical perspective that actually our whole our whole culture's current understanding of love and relationship is is actually quite fresh and new so if we go back a few hundred years um, obviously we had arranged marriages and it was much more of a business deal and it was much more to keep wealth inside the family and the idea of romantic love was definitely not front and center with what the decisions would be around marriage, for, for example. And even the idea of romantic love seems to have kind of come in very much linked to a spiritual understanding. It was like a religious concept that Eros was almost a, a magical, supernatural power that would move through us. And it was very much understood to be something that would cause us to kind of fall into a delusion, fall into a projection. So there's all these kind of troubadour romance stories that, you know, and all the Romeo and Juliets and 
these like mythic love stories that came down of like the the good knight falling in love with the queen as like an archetype. It was like the the male would fall in love with the the idealized feminine, you know, who's like you know pure. And so these archetypes would be that you would kind of fall in love with someone. And back in the old days, it was like the the myths was that you would never necessarily try to have sex and live together. It was an ideal that you were supposed to use in order to come into sacred union with yourself. It's a, it's, the, it's a divine religious yearning for God, basically for purity. So we we project out our ideal. So let's say you're in a female body, you're heterosexual, you're projecting out your, your contrasexual or like your inner masculine or in young, it's like the anima and the animus. It's like, it's like we, we've identified ourselves as one half of the puzzle, but the truth is we're, we're everything, we're whole. So when it comes to erotic love, we're projecting out that other half and that erotic desire for union with another is actually a, a union for God. And we mustn't mistake that yearning, you know, especially like new relationship energy when you just meet somebody, you know, and like all you see is, is what we say is like the golden shadow. All you see is the best of things about them. You know, they're so attractive. They're so funny. You love this about them. You love that about them. And, and you know how high we all get. It's like, you feel amazing when you first start seeing someone usually. Um, and I always think that, that that's so indicative because most time we're pretty judgmental and negative and critical about ourselves inside our own heads. You know, like we're all very aware of like what we're lacking, what we haven't done, how we need to improve, you know, and then, and then we start dating somebody new and all we see is the most amazing things about them. And then, oh my God, they seem to like us. And that is like such a, a pattern interrupter because if this incredible person likes me, then for a moment, it means that all my negative self-talk isn't true. It can't be true because they're like amazing and they think I'm half okay, then, then wow, maybe I'm okay too. And in that gap, I think that's why we feel so good. I think the, the whole new relationship energy is so addictive because for a while, we're actually liking ourselves, maybe even loving ourselves. And that's what gets us so high. But of course we project it. It's because I feel so good because this amazing person likes me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great mystery. You know, if you go back to the Cathar time, yeah, they knew how to work with this whole dynamic as part of their spiritual path. They would, they would know how to kind of use it as a conscious projection symbol. The courtly love, it was always something that you would have. It would never be something that you would, would actually try and you know marry and, and bring it into the mundane world because it was considered far beyond this mundane world it was it was the godhead revealing itself to you so there's something for us to remember i feel in, in modern society that that all of the challenging difficult emotions that come up through our personal relationships it's because it's part of something truly beyond it, it, it is our it is the, the challenging, amazing pathway to divine. It's spiritual, in, inherently spiritual. And there's a part where it, it does serve us, I believe, to give up chasing it in the outer world, you know, to give up the fantasy that we're going to find the one and, and to, to develop what we, again, we consider more this inner marriage. It, it is about falling deeply in love with yourself, deeply and not so much in like a narcissistic way, 
but to really to to really love and accept where you are right now and to and to bring that that divine blessing into yourself and your outer relationships they're amazing they're blessings and they're hard work to expect them to be hard work um not all the time but expect them to to be the the grist in the mill that helps you face those mirrors and those shadows and to kind of let go of the the fairy tale fantasy um that they're going to be the person or the relationship that's going to help us never feel an uncomfortable emotion again. So it's like we have the reverse expectation. And usually when we change our expectations, it's so much easier to meet the crunchy moments with spaciousness and ease and lightheartedness and understanding because we're not freaking out that, you know, it's all going to shit again because we're a miserable, terrible person. We're somehow broken and unhealed. You know, it's just this mountain of judgments that come down on us and it's like, oh. Yeah. So would you say that, that it's possible to feel that like magic that you feel with that certain someone, maybe like when you see them for the first time or when you've developed, is it possible? Is it more possible than we think with more people? Would you say? You mean as far as like open relating? No, more possible than we think to feel like connection sparks or like, or like attraction to more people than we really think that other than that person that like caught our eye in the room you know what I mean that's an interesting question I mean I I feel like you know we're all such different unique beautiful beings you know it depends I mean some of us have have had woundings and we've and we've got protection around our hearts protection around our sex protection around you know our entire energy field and we don't let people come into our, our space that easily and we don't spend a lot of time kind of looking around let's say hunting maybe a bit one way of looking at it but like being open to feeling who's here and who catches my eye I don't have any sense that one is better or not but I think it's more about that connection to our inner truth and if our inner truth is that I really do want to share my life in a particular journey so I'm gonna um, do whatever healing work to, to feel safe to open up to let that come in yes I think that if we clear some of the stories about who is acceptable to be in partnership with or whatever the family conditioning is. And, you know, there's so much there and just feel our way through and, and also grow up a little bit out of the princess fairy tale story and really be like, I'm my own princess and prince and king and queen. And I love that tender part of us that wants to fall in love and, and wants to be the hero. It's not about denying that part but it's not letting that part run the show so to really fall in love with ourselves fall in love with the adventure of our lives and then look for beautiful friends and allies I feel like our lovers are of course you know incredibly special important people on our life journey and and they're not there to take the place of us you know what I mean like like we have to be our number one Um, and I think from that place um, you may find that there's so much more delight in the world. And yeah, I'm, I'm always in the curiosity. I think so much is about timing. Timing as far as when we're really a full yes on the on the inner, inside ourselves. Then I actually believe the person comes pretty quickly. At least that's been my experience. For you to have another, you know, an important chapter with how long that chapter lasts, I don't know. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I feel like that's such a beautiful little bit to end on 
I'm feeling so inspired. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm always questioning that because I'm always wondering, like, how is it that there's these certain people that come every so often that, right. That I feel like that pull to. And then, and then in ISTA, it was such an experience of like meeting these strangers and seeing them through new eyes, seeing them through so much more love and connection and, and magic that it did shift that a bit, you know? So it's something that I'm that I'm always very curious about. Are you are you talking about in the sense of just being able to see more into the multifaceted side of of those beings that you were at ISTA with? So it's like you see, you know, you see them shiny, you see them in their struggles, you see them in their in their superpowers, you see them in their inner child, you just see like this whole incredible universe inside of each being. So yeah, and and especially like seeing the the masculine and feminine in each too that shift isn't that such a game changer yeah 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 yeah, exactly or like or like you know I'm I'm more attracted towards like a more alpha kind of guy so like seeing the alpha in other people that I wouldn't have automatically you know connected to in that way so it's just yeah like you said like seeing all these different sides of someone and choosing to connect with them and that side for what in whatever way because there's like so many ways of connecting, right? Like I can connect to the feminine in a male body for one sort of experience and I can connect to the male in a female body for another kind of experience. Yeah, I love what you're saying. I know for me when I first took ISTA and it's still to some extent to this day, it became easier in some ways to see the masculine in my, in my female body sisters and to see the feminine in my male body friends because, and, and I love what you're saying about how yeah, there's so many different ways to have a connection. It's about what's actually true and authentic in this moment, rather than me trying to control it and make, you know, try to get this to fit into a particular jigsaw puzzle piece that I want to have happen and to just be open and to go, hmm, I wonder what's true right now. Maybe our sisters are going to super connect and we're going to have like a deep, vulnerable sharing and feel really safe to share some of our secrets or maybe you know, I looked at my my female friends and realized, wow, a lot of my female friends are actually because our brothers are so good together, are like inner masculines. Like we have a lot of trust, we get shit done, we empower each other. Um, there's just a certain level of we dig each other's cool. Like, and I and I started to really fine tune my awareness of of where the connection was, rather than yeah, I hadn't I hadn't been able to feel feel the energetic nuances of what was going on behind the mask of what we think is going on and so it does it opens up the playing field for um, a richness of celebrating actually what already is um, and being yeah more conscious of it and more grateful as a result of of being able to see more clearly all the beauty of this life love that yeah taking off the mask letting yourself be seen how can the list, my listeners get in touch with you. Like what, what are you doing these days? How can they work with you? Easiest way is through my website, which is my name. It's a little unusual name, but it's uh, aramintabarber.com. I am doing a handful of ISTA trainings each year. Um, I am mostly based in Latin America. I'm going to be in the one in Texas later this year in Austin sometime in September. And obviously the, the ISTA week-longs are, are really just incredible opportunities to, to, go, to go so deep and to have some really significant transformations just in one week. 
but I'm I'm excited because I've just launched a bunch of um, online offerings. So there's some pretty intensive courses for those of you that want to work with me from the safety and comfort of your own home. Um, I have a course called Resilience, which is to really help us through relationship endings, no matter how long ago that we just never really cleared up and we're kind of aware that our past relationship is still influencing us. So if you've got um, some bitterness or some unhealed anger or some grief around past relationships, definitely check that out. Um, but I also work with bringing some of these teachings to our stories around wealth, uh, particularly around finances, but bringing some of the spiritual sexual shamanic tools to our whole relationship to money because it's, it's as complex as our relationship to sex. And the other thing that I'm really passionate about is lucid dreaming. So this is a bringing our presence to all the symbols and messages that are coming through our dreams and to help those of us that don't even remember our dreams to really start to remember them, to work with them. And eventually you can actually realize that you're dreaming inside your dreams and have all kinds of adventures. So yeah, fun stuff like that. That is very cool. I, I have very vivid dreams and I keep dreaming with my high school boyfriend. So that would be helpful for me. <laughs> Great archetype. Yeah. You can use him as a dream sign that next time you dream of him, you can do it. You can do a check and use it to catapult you into recognizing that you're in a dream. Mm. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so, so much for such a, yeah, just such a tender conversation. You know, we don't talk about emotions this way enough and how to be more open to them and yeah, just have more compassion towards ourselves and, and use these these signs in our body as teachers and, and guides. So we appreciate it. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much tonight. Lovely to, to speak with you and catch up. Hey, you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Commitment Phobe. If you like what you heard, make sure to share with your friends, your lovers, your ex-lovers, anyone that you think could benefit from having a conversation like this one. And it would be super helpful if you subscribed and left a five-star rating on iTunes to make sure that this podcast gets spread around to as many listeners as possible and we can start changing the conversation that we have around intimacy and relationships. About what I do as a women's coach and some of my other projects that I'm working on, you can find my information in the bio of this episode or you can reach out to me directly on Instagram and shoot me any questions that you have. See you next time.